Um, so we're in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. Um, and I wanted to start with the question, have you ever prayed a big extravagant prayer? But then I realized that this morning we've already been praying. We've already been praying big extravagant prayers and we've already given thanks. We've given thanks to God for what he's done with the twins and we've prayed for TD and we've prayed for Richard. We've prayed a big prayer. And this morning in our passage, the passage that we're reading, it's Paul's thanksgiving and it's his big extravagant prayer. And it's a prayer that the church would know God better, that, he would, that the church would know God's hope and that the church would know God's power. Um, so before we read, I just wanted to kick off by saying as well that, you know, to know more of who we are, we need to know more of who God is. We need to know about his feelings towards us. We need to know about his intentions towards us, his desires for us. And we need to know about his plan and his purpose for us as well as we look at this question, who am I? So why don't we read? So it's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And it's called Thanksgiving and Prayer. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So this passage is a prayer. It is a big, extravagant, expectant prayer for the church. And Paul says in verse 15, he says that he's heard about their faith in the Lord Jesus. He's heard about their love for all God's people. He's reminding them of where they stand. They stand in Christ. And in the previous passage, this is what he's done as well. He's reminded them of their position, that they're in Christ. And Jude spoke about this last week, that they can now share in the blessings and the resources of Christ. And how do they know? Because of the Holy Spirit. So Jude, Jude had looked at this last week. And as we read this, we get the sense that he's asking for more. In verse 16, I've not stopped giving thanks, and I keep asking that God our Father would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we get the sense, don't we, that Paul is aware that there's more. Paul is aware of the abundance that we have as we pray, the abundance that is available to us. He keeps praying and he keeps asking. And for me, one of the most transformational prayers that I've learned to pray is, come Holy Spirit and more Lord. Come Holy Spirit and more Lord. And they're such simple prayers, 
simple prayers to pray, but at the heart of them is the acknowledgement that we need God to come. We need his Holy Spirit to come. We need more of him. Um, And that's why when we train people to pray, we say it's about grace. When we pray, it's not about um, how much of our Bible we've read that week. It's not about whether we've messed up that week or not. It's not about um, going to the right conference or reading the right particular book. Um, It's about grace. It's about the fact that we already stand in Christ. We stand in him. Our position is in him. And when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come and do your work, he comes and he moves. He shows us hope and he shows us power. And I think at the heart of it, this prayer today is Paul praying, come Holy Spirit and more Lord. So if you take away anything this morning, just take away that. Come Holy Spirit and more Lord. Because the Holy Spirit reveals to us who God is. And the Holy Spirit gives us a taste of the kingdom that's coming, of hope and of power. So let's look at the three key parts of Paul's prayer. So in verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So there's two parts here as well. He's asking for a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. So let's just look at wisdom. So later on, In Ephesians, Paul talks about the manifold wisdom of God. Paul isn't interested in human wisdom. He's not interested in empty wisdom, human philosophy. He's interested in God's wisdom. And he talks about the manifold wisdom of God. And he's talking about God's massive plan, God's massive purpose, his plan for the whole cosmos, his plan for the whole world through his son Jesus, his plan to restore mankind to himself through his son Jesus. Um, We used to run a youth festival called Imagine, which was then taken over by the Soul Survivor Ministries. And I went along to our first Imagine. I was 14 or 15 years old. And um, one night at one of the main sessions, a speaker spoke about Jesus, just the gospel, the good news of Jesus, how God sent his son to die for us on the cross and to be resurrected so that we could be connected with God again. Um, and I, do you know what? I'd heard it a million times. Um, I grew up in a Christian home, and I'd heard that story so many times. But that night, I encountered the Holy Spirit. I would say that You know, that was my first encounter of the Holy Spirit, where it was a tangible sense of God's power and presence. And I think it was significant that, you know, that was me entering into adulthood as a teenager. And God came and he met with me and he took me deeper. And it was like he helped me grasp the magnitude, the significance of his plan and purpose, his eternal plan and his eternal purpose. And um, it was like it went from my head to my heart. And God showed me my part in it as well. He showed me that he had a purpose for me, that he wanted me to serve people, that he wanted me to serve his church and to serve the world. And I would say that I went from selfishness to servant-heartedness. It was like God took that truth from my head to my heart and then to my hands and to my feet because he showed me my purpose and his eternal purpose. And so when Paul talks about wisdom in this prayer, that's the kind of wisdom that he's talking about, the wisdom of God's eternal plan and purpose. And the second part that he talks about is revelation, a spirit of revelation. 
So a revelation is something that was unknown that has been made known. Something that was unknown that has been made known. And God, of course, chose to reveal himself to us through Jesus, through his son Jesus. If you think about Colossians, in Colossians he talks about um, Jesus as the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. And so Jesus God has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus. He's revealed himself to us through his word, through the Bible, and through his acts, through history. We can read about his acts through history in the Bible. But God hasn't just revealed himself to us. He continues to reveal himself to us. He has revealed himself, but he is revealing himself to us. Um, Don and I, we are going to plant a church in Greenock and in Reclyde. We are so excited, but I'm not going to lie. I have days where I am anxious, where I feel stress. Um, there's so much that needs to be organized. There's so much that needs to happen. We're trying to sell our flat in Inverurie. We need to find work down there still. We need to find somewhere to live down there still. Um, but you know what? I have found God to be so faithful to me in this time. And I just want to share a few testimonies with you because I'm just amazed by how God has provided for every little detail. So a few weeks ago, we were putting on a youth, a wee youth catch-up and we needed some donuts. And so I thought, I'm going to get the freshest donuts possible. So um, before church, it was raining. I managed to get Hudson and his buggy, um, put on the rain cover, went to Tesco with just enough time to buy these donuts. And so I got all the donuts, put it in Hudson's buggy, and then no wallet. I'd left my wallet at home. And I was like, oh, I can't face walking back in the rain. I'm going to be late for church. And I was like, right, I can either burst into tears, or I can get really annoyed and angry, or I can pray. So I was like, God help. And immediately I looked up, and Solange was there. And I ran up to her. I was like, Solange, this has happened. She was like, I will buy the donuts. And so Solange bought the donuts, and she was like, do you want a lift? So like, you know, God even provided a lift in the rain as well. Just amazing. And then a few days later, um, I was walking Hudson into his, one of his baby classes, and he tripped and fell and cut his knee. And blood was pouring out of his knee. And um, it was on a particularly dirty street in Inverurie, like where all the dog walkers go. And like sometimes there's like, you know, different things on the street. And I just thought this thought, oh, his knee is going to get infected can't deal with this right now. I only have baby wipes. I don't have any antiseptic wipes. Immediately I look up and this postie has run over and the first thing she said was, I have antiseptic wipes. And she pulls out this first aid kit and she gets out this antiseptic wipe and these gorgeous little plasters. And um, his knee was wiped and he had a plaster. Um, and then the following week, this is like last week now, um, it was Donna, my five year wedding anniversary. Yeah, we made it to five years, still in love keeping the fire alive. And um, so I thought, you know what? Let's celebrate. I'm going to book a table at my favorite restaurant. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to sell some stuff in order to pay for this meal. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put some stuff on Face Bay and Gumtree. Anyway, I had this um, baby bottle set that I'd never used. And I've basically been trying to sell it for about a year. And I'd never managed to sell it. And I was like, God, please, can you just let this sell? And basically, someone bought it, like cash in hand. I was like, yes, okay, got some cash, this is awesome. Then a few days later, just 40 quid in the post, like amazing. And then I was like, this is great, like our meal is probably gonna be covered, like this is great. So we go for our meal, and then we sit down, and we order our drinks, and I'm like, should we have a starter, main and pudding? We're just like, main and pudding. 
started her name, not sure. Anyways, thinking this through, we ordered our drinks, and the waitress brings the drinks over, and she says, I just want to let you know that the gentleman at the table in the corner has paid for your drinks for this evening. I was like, oh, God, you've provided. He has provided. And you know what? That is just three of, like, 100 stories that I could tell you of how God is providing for Don and I just now. Like, it's just amazing. And I was in a time of prayer and worship, and I just felt the Holy Spirit reveal to me, he's a God who provides. He is, and I know that I've heard that so many times, but it was like it went from my head to my heart. God, you're faithful. You provide. Um, and what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit teaches us and shows us who God is. The Holy Spirit helps us to recognize God at work. The Holy Spirit helps us to see what God is doing, not just in us, but in those around us and in our community. The Holy Spirit gives us that discernment to see what God is doing and to recognize that it's him at work. And as we get to know who God is, what he's like, we get to know how he feels about us, what he thinks about us, that we're loved, that he cares, that he hears our every thought. Um, so Don and I, we both went to university in Aberdeen. We studied theology. And um, if you go back a slide. And um, this is hilarious. I just had to show it with you because, honestly, it's just the comedy value is just, like, brilliant. So we, we met at uni. Um, we fell in love. It wasn't love at first sight, though, I have to say. Um, Don didn't ask me out till like, the end of second year. So I don't know what he was doing for, like, two years. <laughs> Come on. Anyway... Um, so I was very studious, I did all my reading, all my essays were handed in on time, um, but it was quite unfortunate because when I started dating Don, my grades really started to go down, and um, one of my lecturers pulled me aside and said, Abby, do you know what, I've noticed that since you started dating Don, your grades have really dropped, you know, we've got really high hopes for you, and we're just worried about this, so just like, you know, get your act together. Anyway, so a journalist managed to get hold of our story. Here we go, divine path to love for hardworking students. Well, one of us is hardworking. Hardworking students, couples saw romance flourish while studying for uni degree. Okay, next slide. This is me speaking. Things just seem to happen. I think I remember seeing the back of his head in class and thinking how attractive he was. <laughs> Did I say that? Don, this is Don speaking, it's been a great time. I feel so lucky to have met this wonderful, attractive woman. Okay, next one. His first chat-up line was, what have you been reading in the Bible recently? Which I thought was hilarious. Oh, how do we get ourselves into this, these kind of situations? Anyway, you can take that away now. Just next slide, perfect. Okay, so the truth is, is that my four years at university studying theology would have been a total waste of time if those years studying didn't bring me closer to God, didn't teach me more about who God was. Um, those four years studying the Bible at university would have been a total waste of time if all it was was a transfer of information. Um, if all that happened was I just felt better about myself because I felt that I was gaining more knowledge and, you know, oh, I'm finally able to put my views across and debate well. Like, it would have just been a total waste of time if um, those years didn't help me to know who God was and who I was in relation to him. And so as Paul is praying for this spirit of wisdom and revelation, for more knowledge about God, for more understanding about God, is it so that we can give the best answers at Bible group, Bible study group? 
Is it so that we can feel really good about ourselves? Is it so that we can look really good in front of our friends? No, it's so that we can know him better. It says that in, in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. So that we can know our Father in heaven better. And I think it's really important that we understand who Paul was and where he's coming from as he writes this. And um, throughout the New Testament, we get a lot of clues about the kind of person that Paul was. Um, it seems that he was passionate about learning, about knowledge. It seems that he could speak Greek and Arama Aramaic and very possibly Latin as well. He was familiar with Greek philosophy, Greek poetry, and he was a Jew. And he was training to be a rabbi. Um, and he was a Pharisee, and he himself described the Pharisees as being the strictest party of Judaism because the Pharisees had a huge amount of knowledge about the law, and they um, demanded strict observance of every part of the law. And so he was on a mission. Paul was on a mission to persecute Christians because Christians said that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. And um, it wasn't about the law and all of these traditions following the law. And so Paul is on a mission to persecute Christians. He had a huge amount of knowledge about God, about the law, about history, and about philosophy. But what happened was he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. He encountered Jesus. And so in Acts 9, we can read about the story, about the, mo the moment this happens. And um, at the time, he was called Saul. He's known as Saul and Paul. And it says that Saul was on the road to Damascus with the intention of persecuting Christians. And suddenly, this bright light shone around. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice, voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul cried out, Who are you, Lord? And the voice said, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. And then what happened was he was blind for three days. He lost his sight for three days until God sent someone called Ananias to him to pray that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it says that at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And he went from persecuting Christians to preaching the message of Christianity. In three days, he went from persecutor to preacher in three days. So what happened? How could a man change so quickly? He changed. His direction changed. His mission changed. His heart changed. He had this encounter with Jesus and was then filled with the Holy Spirit. So God must have shown him who he was, who he really was, and what his purpose was and what his mission really was. So that's the first point, to know God better. So the second aspect is to know God's hope. So let's look at verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. I love that, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Um, and sometimes, you know, we can have the wrong idea about God. We can have a wrong view of God, what his intentions are for us. And unknowingly, this wrong view can affect every part of our life. Um, so we have a little boy called Hudson. He's nearly two. 
and um, he needs a lot of entertaining. So I'd planned to take him to Four Martin. Some of you might know it. It's just this gorgeous um, cafe, and there's like this lovely little walk through the woods, and you can get to this incredible lake or large pond. Anyway, it's amazing. And there's ducks, and there's swans, and it's just the most beautiful place. And so we get to the car park, we get out the car, and Hudson finds this muddy little puddle on the side of the car park, and he thinks we've arrived. He thinks that this muddy little puddle is it. He thinks that this muddy little puddle is the reason why I've put him in the car. The reason why we've come all this way is so that he can jump around in this muddy little puddle. And oh, trying to convince him that it wasn't this muddy puddle, that I was going to take him on this amazing walk, and we were going to see the lake, we we're going to see the ducks, we we're going to see the geese, it's going to be amazing. He just could not get his head around it. It was like tantruming and like, don't want to leave the puddle. I was like, oh, he doesn't speak because he's not even two. But anyway, that's what he would have said if he did speak. Um, anyway, my heart was to bless him. My heart wasn't to bring him all this way just to get to this muddy puddle. My heart was to take him to this amazing lake where he could feed the ducks and see the woods and just have an incredible time. And God's heart for us is to be blessed. God's heart for us is that we would know him, that we would know his hope and that we would know his power. And so Paul is praying that they would know that God doesn't have a muddy puddle for them. He's praying that they would know that God has an amazing inheritance for them. And I think he's praying in this way because the eyes of his heart have been enlightened, literally like enlightened, like he saw the light. Um, you know, he's had this heart change and, um, you know, he needed hope. He was stuck in the muddy puddle of the law. He was stuck in the muddy puddle of striving. He was stuck in, the mu in a muddy puddle that he knew led to death, a road that led to death. But Paul encountered the Holy Spirit and he tasted something of God's goodness and his extravagant grace. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit reminds us, makes real to us, gives us a taste of our inheritance that's coming. The Holy Spirit reveals to us what God's kingdom coming is like, what it feels like, what it looks like, what it smells like. And Paul's praying that the Ephesians would have their eyes open to this hope. Um, and I feel that some of us this morning, we've settled for a muddy puddle. We've settled for a muddy puddle. And, you know, it's really easy to do that. It's really easy to do that because there's so much in life that destroys hope, that kills joy, which causes our faces to look down. There's so much. And some of us have settled for a muddy puddle because that's all we expect from God. It's not that we doubt his power. It's not that we doubt his ability um, to give us more than a muddy puddle, but we doubt that he would do it for us. We would doubt that he would do it for us. And so Paul is praying for them, not just as individuals, but as a church, as a body of people, that their hearts would be enlightened to the truth that God's heart is to bless them. And so this is a prayer giving thanks that they already stand saved in Christ, and yet it's a prayer for more. It's a prayer for more. So that's to know God's hope. And then thirdly, to know God's power. In verse 19, and to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand 
in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So Paul is praying that the church would know God's power at work in them, and he likens it to the power that raised Christ from the dead. And um, the reason, again, why I think he's praying this is because on the, that road to Damascus, when he saw that bright light and he fell to the ground and he heard that voice, he experienced power. And he went on um, and he was prayed for and his blindness was healed. It says in the story that something like scales fell from his eyes and his blindness was healed. He's experienced this. He's experienced this power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And he's praying that the church would experience it too. And, you know, just as I talk about this final point of power, um, I think it's really important for us to know that this isn't a power for the sake of power. This isn't a power to squash. This isn't a power um, to dominate. This isn't power just for the sake of being powerful. This is a power rooted in love, rooted in grace, rooted in God's heart and his purpose for creation. Um, I was staying, when I was at uni, um, I rented a few different flats, but one of the flats that I rented, one night the fuse box started sparking, like with all these sparks, and I honestly like just completely freaked out. Don wasn't around at this point, so I was like, what do I do, what do I do? So anyway, I phoned my best friend, and she came around, and she just calmed me down, because I was like, I'm gonna be electrocuted, everyone's gonna be electrocuted, it's gonna set on fire. Like, I honestly was like, did not deal with it well at all. Um, anyway, there was like these uncontrollable sparks of electricity, but God's power isn't like that. God's power is rooted in his plan and purpose. It's not something to be afraid of. It's rooted in love, it's rooted in grace. It's rooted in his heart. And um, I love that Paul experienced God's power, like, you know, face to face with Jesus. He heard God's voice, and Jesus said, like, it's Jesus. You know, he, Jesus said who it was. But I also love that Paul experienced power through another believer, through Ananias. So in the story, Ananias prayed for Paul that he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was in that moment that these scales fell from his eyes and he was healed from his blindness. And, you know, there's moments where it is just us and God walking down the street in our prayer, times of prayer and worship, um, doing our shopping, doing our laundry at work, whatever, where we experience God's power. But then there's times when we come together as a church when we're family together, when this power breaks in, when we use our gifts to serve one another and to serve our community, that this power breaks in, that we can experience the same power that raised Christ from the dead. This is the kingdom power. This isn't a random power for the sake of power. This is kingdom power. It's power to raise the dead in us to life. It's power to restore hope where there is no hope. It's power to bring the lonely back into community. It's power to provide through radical acts of generosity. It's power to love the unlovable. It's power to forgive the unforgivable. It's power to see healing. It's power to pray without ceasing. It's power to make resources go further. It's power to prophesy, to see what God sees and to hear what he hears. It's power to have faith and to trust in God and to believe in his son. And I um, just want to bring things to a close. And so, you know, this is a prayer. This is a prayer for the church. And it's a prayer that we can pray for each other, for our, our church and for our community that we would know God better, 
that we would know his hope and that we would know power in him. And, um, you know, just as I was praying for this morning, like one picture I had was of, a, of an, egg, of a, an egg with a hard shell. And I just wonder if some of us this morning, it's like we're an egg with a hard shell. And we need the Holy Spirit to come and just soften us and just make a gentle crack so that new life and new hope can come. Why don't we stand?